Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, and good night, depending on what time of day it is and where you are in the world. So this episode is talking about our brain's natural drugs. It's about oxytocin, dopamine, serotonin, and cortisol. It's about our brain's reactions to hurt, pain, and the feeling of love, giving, receiving love, and how we all respond to it, and what we do with it. Um, so I'm just going to let that be as self-explanatory as it is, and thank you for listening to my words. I am grateful for you for listening to this podcast. Um, if I get even a few listens to all, and somebody gets anything positive out of it, I'm a happy fucking man. I'm a happy raccoon man. So, like, please give it a shot. Thank you. You rock on. And uh, learn what your brain does and how it reacts to threats and love. Thank you. Where's my mind? Hosted by Brian Arbarter. I'll be recording this episode very quietly. Um, therefore, I'll be turning the volume up a bit higher. I am sleeping in the spare bedroom in my mother's apartment because I am homeless right now. I am here living, or staying at least, sleeping at my mother's place for the first time in about 11, 12, 12 years. 12 years. Um, last time I was. 21, living with my then fiance before we got an apartment with my father. And we lived in that apartment with my father for about almost two years, year and a half, um, uh, before he passed away, sadly enough, in December of 2013. Uh, this is something I don't talk about very often. Um, my dad and I were exceptionally close, but not until later in life. Um, nonetheless, we had an emotional bond. We were roommates, they see. We weren't, me and my wife, we weren't living off my dad's place. We were living with my father. Was in we, my, me and my father co-signed. Um, and after he passed, um, December 9th, 2013, um, me and my wife started to grow distant and uh, we carried out life as an obligation. We already had a child at the time, my beautiful daughter Natalia, and soon to be my son Elijah, who, with whom she, one month later after his death, when she was pregnant with, one month after his death. Um, both the children were born in August, as was I. <coughs> Three Leos in the family. My father being a close contender with September 18th as his birthday. Wait, is, is September 18th Leo? Hey. No, sorry, I believe it's a Virgo. Which ironically was um, uh, my uh, ex-girlfriend's sign. Uh, so anyway, all these ironies here. Um, where am I going with this? So I want to talk about several things now. I want to talk about existentialism. And I want to discuss death and how hurt and pain that of grief comes from a place of love. And you can't have one without the other. Okay, so let's back up here. I met a woman who became my wife in the fall of winter, of the early winter of 2010. 
I was, so it was nine, I was 20 years old, and I recently broken up with my ex-boyfriend, thinking that this person was a male, trying to be a female, and she right off the bat hurt me, uh, in many ways, um, you know, and I hurt her too, in many ways, this is all metaphor, this is all verbally, and emotionally, not physical, God. so we both emotionally hurt each other, okay, and uh, then there was a big breakup, and I almost died. I had a suicide attempt, and my life almost ended in um, the month of May 2020. That's right, 2010, excuse me. Oh, I have myself there. Um, not even, right? So 2010, uh, May, also her birth month, ironically. I'm not sure what the sign was, I forget, but okay, there's another month thing there. So I survived, and uh, it, it was rough, but I survived, and... Uh, me and this woman later became engaged. I proposed to her on Christmas Eve, 2010. And uh, fast forward a few years later, we're married. See me and my father passed, 2013. Now, those years still moved relatively slow for me. They moved in a slow forward fashion, similar to that of which we learn as a child. Um, in our formative years, we learn things very rapidly but at a snail's pace as far as time goes because every day is a new adventure well that was how it was for me then and uh let's see this is 2013 now um i had been through jail i had spent 45 days there and uh, it was fucking rugged man and it was one of the longest years of my life that was 2012 and in 2013 so it's been a year and a half later my father passes me and my wife are married. We have our first child. My daughter was born on August 7th, 2012. And it was probably the happiest day of my life. Uh, one of them, uh, it was the first happiest day of my life. Yep, that's for sure. And so now we're all homeless and shit, okay? And uh, we, uh, we couldn't afford the apartment. We got evicted in February, a uh, month around before, after you take, around the time my aunt passed away. So all this death and, and that of family members, death of of my, of my apartment, death of my car, death of my job, all this massive amount of death happened. Uh, and uh, shit struggled for a while, man. And then my son was born, August 14, 2014. But there's a period in between that time, between December 2013 and August 2014, where I was in a feeling, a state of grief, of loss, of hurt, of pain. And I felt this pain because of all the death and all the loss. This is why I felt hurt and this all came from a place of love because I loved these things that I lost. When you love something and you lose it, it hurts a lot more than if you lost something that was of insignificant or unsubstantial value. True hurt comes from a place that has been replaced with that from love. When you love something, it will be taken away. There will be pain. And if there isn't, if it isn't taken away, then you might be taken away. You can't have love or pain or hurt without the other. And that is a part of life that I have had to acknowledge and accept and just deal with it. and the point is dealing with it to the best of your ability 
being the best version of yourself to deal with this feeling of loss. Now, I am here in my mother's apartment, bedroom here, with, with, with my current partner, myself. Um, I am here in my, my mother's bedroom because I am grateful for the love that is being given to me because of this. Um, I am given extensive love because I'm coming from a place of hurt. Sometimes hurt begets hurt, but many times love begets hurt. If coming from the right people, if the need and desire for it is genuine and authentic, and that leads me to the part of existentialism. My father, though, he tended to dress typical um, for a man his age. Uh, uh, mostly, at least, he'd wear button-up shirts, but often wore just t-shirts. Yeah, you know what? My dad wore more screen t-shirts than most people's age did. For a man who passed away at 60, and once again, 2013, the end of it, he wore a lot of t-shirts. He had band shirts. Uh, even I was one of his band shirts. Now that he's long gone, sadly. Um, so, uh, he wore even more cargo shorts. And I'm not going to lie, I kind of dressed the same way, just more in black and camouflage than he did. Uh, he didn't really like camouflage very much. But I didn't have Vietnam too much, I think he said. Uh, so, so, so this man, this man, if you knew his true inner self, his authentic self, anyone would say that he was fundamentally unique. He was a classic, unique soul, a uh, child of the uh, long-forgotten 60s, growing up in the crazy 70s and coming to age in the 80s into the 90s. I was born in 89. My father was, I'm not coming of age, let's see, he was, in, he was 36 when I was born. He was born in 53. So, yeah, let's see, he was, he was a bit older, but um, maybe in 33, you know, in the great year, 2023, he was a bit older, but my mother was too, but, uh, you know, he, he had an amazing love for the Beatles. He had an obsession with the Beatles. He loved his history. He loved Lord of the Rings. He loved all this shit. He has passions. And I think that without passions, a lot of us lack our true inner selves. We cannot show or display our inner selves without having a passion. Because a man without any passion at all is a blank page. A page of fine print, maybe. Without, it lacks the bold lacks the headline, the title. You know, like, these these uh, core core interests of ours, our core selves, which include our values, we'll get into that, if I get around to it. So, these are what make us us. These are what make us our unique selves, our individuals. I myself am a fan of heavy metal music, a lot of um, alternative and indie rock, um, jazz music here and there, gotta, I love uh, a manga called Eden. It's an endless world by Hiroki Enda. Endo. It's who I name my son after. Um, I love James Bond. I love um, a bunch of things, man. I have a lot of inner workings. Okay, I'm discussion upon the surface here. Um, I love certain things more than others, and other things I despise. That which I love, I love with all the passion of my heart. That which I hate, I cannot tolerate. A passionate motherfucker. And if my father hadn't grown up in a period of time where being a passionate male or a sensitive male, especially at that, which he was in hindsight, was frowned upon, well then, I might not have been the man that I am today. 
because I saw those passions, borderline, but not quite, obsessions. My father was a sensitive man who cared a lot about romance and love. And when he felt disrespected, he put up with it, he tolerated it, but he would give that passion of disrespect back. Eventually, he would, he would never hate, rarely ever hate, but dislike vehemently. He would never love with all the might in his heart, but give as much love as his caring and sorrowful heart could muster. He hurt and he hurt deeply. I believe I was the only person that, with whom he had shed a tear with her, whose shoulder he had cried upon regarding the terrible ghosting and betrayal of his girlfriend of seven, eight years. Um, he had never talked about anybody in his life and, and he entrusted me with these secrets and a man that is seemingly so blank on the outside but his eyes, his eyes held that emotion that only the true fellow empath could truly see. Yeah, to feel that from him was, we bestowed that gift of his emotions was truly an honor. Um, I miss him every day. So, who are you? Who am I? Well, I think I know myself. Who are you? Do you know your true core self? This isn't the question you should just be asking yourself here because I say so. This is something you'll feel if when the time is right. If you never question who your core self is because you don't know and you never know, well, I mean, Biggie Small said if you don't know, now you know. But it's up to you, man. Who, what makes you as a person? Myself, if you listen to any of my previous episodes, you know I'm, I'm highly sensitive. I'm a very sensitive man. I'm not ashamed to admit it. I'd rather avoid the embarrassment from the hurt, but let people know that I probably will get hurt in advance. <laughs> um, I'm not typically prone to depression. I tend to see the brighter side of life, despite the hardships. Though I'm very... Uh, familiar with anxiety of many types generalized social anyway I have anxiety because it's there I tend to get worried very easily and I like to strategize and and um, make lists of my days and um, plan things out meticulously to avoid surprises and the hurt and the pain of things that come unexpectedly that cause us dissatisfaction and harm I'm someone who cares deeply about my fellow humans, especially those in my inner circle. When I see someone cry, I feel for them. When I see someone angry, I wonder why. When I see someone happy, well, it depends on my mood. But mostly, I'm happy for them. Unless they look like they got too much money. Hey, we're all prone to judgments. We're all prone to judgments. You can love all you want doesn't mean you can't judge. It's all you tolerate. I am a pretty tolerant person. It takes a lot to piss me off. But lately, I've been feeling very, very angry. No, I've been feeling agitated, which leads sometimes to anger. My agitation and annoyance and dissatisfaction level has been going up and up. It's been harder to please me. Um, the same things I love are not, I'm not enjoying as much because my cortisol levels are high. 
I've been experiencing anxiety and stress and depression, the negative emotional traits, often coming from adrenaline rushes and uh, despair and, and uh, worry and, and once again, stress. So, I haven't been very pleasant lately. I've gotten myself into some trouble lately too. And when I first came out of this confidence fuck, trust me, I have plenty of time left, more or less, but I'm starting to doubt myself. And I'm feeling my composure slip and I'm feeling my confidence level drop. And uh, I was amazed I carried it on like I did. God forbid I meet somebody new and make a new friend and I get all stuttering and I can't even pronounce my words and I can't stop talking so fast that I don't know how people would understand me. But my cortisol's been too high. And yeah, certain things, uh, substances we may use to try to alleviate the pain may do that at the cost of more stress, if that makes any sense. The, the depression, the pain goes away, but the stress and the anxiety is still there. This, like, um, on a brief note, um, being uncertain about your future, being the future being unknown, is a major cause of uh, anxiety in the sense that it causes fear, and fear causes that cortisol level to rise, resulting in anxiety. It's all negatives for negatives. So, I've been struggling, but every day I wake up with the intent of being feeling feeling good enough. Not to feel great, not to feel even good, but just to be good enough. To feel like things are going to be not so terrible today, right? I think we can do that. Well, if you keep up the mindset that things will be bad, things will stay bad. If you say things will be great, they probably won't be. I'm just being honest here. But if you say today's going to be okay, chances are that you'll have an okay day. And okay is better than bad. So where am I going with all this shit, huh? So, hurt and pain are caused by things, the death of things that we love. When we lose my, our apartment, our, our housing, our significant other, our parents, our children get sent to their other parents' house because you were told you weren't good enough. We lose the things we love resulting in hurt and pain emotional pain and now I'm finding here that, that going in the reverse direction when you feel hurt and pain even when it just comes from within itself you can counteract that with love and you can literally cure physical pain so and it sounds like a bunch of modern holistic bullshit but um um, so love, true, true love, um, releases dopamine in our systems. Just the same way that many drugs do, um, and and that 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 dopamine, it's a it's, it's a neurotransmitter. It affects your mood, it affects your motivation level, and it affects your reward system, just like a drug. So love is in itself like a drug because along with dopamine goes oxytocin. You mix oxytocin and dopamine together, and you can get high off your own brain and cure pain at the same time. Ask anybody who's ever had some particular uh, sex, alright, um, let's just leave it at that. And yeah, trust me, it's fucking true. Um, even just in so, sober prior, you can, it'll work. Um, 
when when uh, when when somebody who's, who's dying is, is is being given love that they, they feel numb because that that shit decreases the pain from what I gather here I can tell you for a fact that when I have had the most amazing sex in my life I could have given myself a workout like a fucking Olympic gymnast and I felt this one fine after for a couple hours until that shit wears off but yeah it, it literally kills your pain and it, it makes you feel high um, your brain does have natural drugs and the drugs are good and bad now, if you feel a massive adrenaline rush out of an anxiety-filled situation where there might be violence involved, yeah, that's called cortisol, and it hurts. You ever had an anxiety attack? Your entire body hurts after, not only because it tenses up so much, but because you actually feel it more. When you deal with a low-level anxiety or a mid-level, moderate-level anxiety all day long, you feel it in your legs. I carry them, them boxes down at work uh, and they feel heavier on anxious days. But if I say I had been given great love making and I love you from somebody I cared about very deeply and went to work after, those things felt lighter. I didn't feel it in my legs or my arms as much. This is a true fact, alright? So if you take your pain and you can get love from it, and here's my problem, you know. So it feels great, but here's my problem here is that how do you get that by yourself? Because I know I'm actually asking, I'm not suggesting anything, I'm fucking asking you guys. Like, please, I self-love is almost impossible for me. Um, while I have embraced the concept of it, I've felt it many times. It doesn't release the same oxytocin that we get when with partner somebody else when we're by ourselves the self-love does not release the same oxytocin level that is otherwise induced in our brains when with a loving partner or caregiver as a baby we, we, we release not oxytocin when our mothers love us just as adult 33 year old men we want our boyfriend to cling to us and kiss our necks in a similar fashion tell us that we are in fact good enough those words can make or break someone's day by releasing that fucking dopamine and oxytocin and literally make you physically and mentally feel better. And if you denied those, if you, if you rejected, feeling of rejection is almost equivalent to physical pain. It lights off the same pain receptors in our brain, just like same with the pleasure receptors on the opposite end of the scale. But if you go for love with someone that you care about and they physically or, and or emotionally reject you, it, it literally hurts like it doesn't really hurt but it feels like it does it's, it's, it's a, all you can say is it hurts it's a pain I don't understand it feels like I'm being hurt like all you can say is it hurts when people say that they mean it literally I mean you don't have to be a highly sensitive person to feel this you just don't have to be a fucking sociopath you know what if you're not a sociopath you'll be able to feel this like uh, when you feel emotional rejection pain and that's not talking about something called um, uh, rejection sensitivity dysphoria, which is even worse, it's linked with ADHD and borderline, um, then yeah, you literally, it hurts. And the cortisol rush can be massive and it can really result in um, just a breakdown of one's um, emotional uh, 
barrier in their mind. Their walls go down in a way that they're it's unhealthy. It's like, um, this isn't the Berlin Wall collapsing. This is if the fucking Mongolians invaded the China. Yeah, Great, Great Wall of China and whatever the hell BC was built. I'm not, I forgot my history there. But it's like, so you don't want that kind of pain. It's not something you're ready for because when we get rejection, typically we would have put ourselves out there in a situation where we expected acceptance unless you're a true emotional masochist then nobody goes for emotional rejection or physical rejection whatever so when you don't get the acceptance especially if that person is somebody that normally releases the oxytocin it hurts in a unique way that I can't personally uh, attribute to anything else attribute excuse me but it's like, so why do we try? Many of us, we get that little boost of uh, adrenaline maybe, the positive cortisol, whatever the fuck it is, that makes the dopamine, whatever it is, the adrenaline rush, okay? That is what gives us the ability to try. If you, if you adrenaline, then maybe it's uh, courage, which is mostly adrenaline, but courage leads you to try things where you might face rejection. And the question that we don't, we do not, not ask ourselves is, are we ready in case we are rejected? I know myself, I don't put myself out there with strangers, but with certain people, well, yeah, I, I really don't. Certain people though, I, I can go on a limb, on a limb and give them my best shot. And sometimes I can handle it outwardly, but deep down inside, any instance where I'm rejected or told I'm not good enough, that's what it comes down to. It hurts. So, you, the rejector, not the rejected, the reject, the, the rejector, say your friend, partner, child, whatever, asks you for something of a favor that means a lot to them, and you can, you will not do it. So. They feel hurt. Now, counteract that hurt with love. And instead of letting them feel the cortisol, counteract that with oxytocin and dopamine. Give that lover, child, caregivery, give them a hug and say, but you know what? And add something positive to it. Something real. Tell them what, you, what you're grateful for about them. And be genuine about it. And that will literally counteract that emotional pain and give them a sense of maybe even euphoria because it's so unexpected. Nobody expects to get rejected and then be given a dose of love after. But it is a truly incredible feeling, uh, especially when, when, when it's uh, a surprise. So. I'm going to over 25 fucking minutes here. It seems like it's been 10. When I'm, when I'm on a great subject like this, uh, I just have to be at the ball rolling. I'm actually really good. I don't want to cry now. It's been making me really emotional, but I'm rocking and rolling, man. Uh, so, uh, I, uh, I, it's just been 10 minutes. I'm on a roll. So, to recap. The most intense forms of pain we can have are death, those we love or experiences, um, lifestyles, things that we've known for a long period of time, the death of a longevity, either that or rejection pain. 
Those are the intense ones. Intense ones are hurt that I believe you can experience. Okay. Now, what's the most intense form of painkilling and depression relief? Blah blah blah. Is love. I want to add that gratitude is another amazing way to feel love. If you feel there is no love coming from anywhere else around you, I'm going to add to that remark I made earlier and correct myself. Yes, feel love by yourself. Gratitude. What are you grateful for today? I'm grateful for this computer with this microphone. I'm missing the compressor. I had, I'm missing a lot of my shit right now. I don't have the compressor for my mic. I hope it turns out okay. I'm grateful for you, the listener. I'm grateful for this cute guy next to me in bed. It's very important to me. More so than you, though. Know. Believe in me. I'm grateful for my mother for housing. I'm grateful for my sister for helping me get fucking Domino's pizza tonight, man. Grateful for the universe and all the energy it's giving off right now and making me go on 30 minutes here of non-stop, not even a fucking break yet, and I'm proud of myself. I'm grateful for the pride. And these things will release your natural oxytocin, the feeling of love. Someone's giving love, it's like getting it. At the opposite end of the scale, I'm gonna recap, cortisol, anxiety, Stress, depression, anger, frustration, rage. These are all effects of a high cortisol rate. Those who have an anxiety disorder, their amygdala, our amygdala, myself included, have a, a naturally high cortisol rate because of childhood experiences or genetics or whatever, um, what have you, I should say. And it's like, it's a horrible feeling. Cortisol sucks. Cortisol is our. I think my cat's experiencing cortisol too. Yes, he is. You okay, Mr. Royal? I'll check on him in a minute. I'll check on him in a minute. So, our brains are giving off unnaturally high cortisol rates that we can't control. It's not our faults. Like, most people can endure this shit and be fine. Now, stress is, anxiety is a way of our brain. Dysfaction. Anxiety is our brain's way of saying that there is a threat here. Hey, hey, listen, like, like Navi, the fairy Navi in um, Legends of the Ocarina of Time, constantly nagging at you, saying, hey, listen, hey, listen. Yes, very annoying. Hey, listen, hey, listen. Um, that is your brain's... Okay. That is your brain's natural anxiety going off, letting you know there's a th- an, an imminent threat. So... This is ancient times here, but now it's more emotional than the physical threat. Hello, kitty cat. And this uh, San Perdue tiger here next to me is not a threat. He's coming to me for comfort because he's scared. This cat in a brand new place for the first time. He's scared, my baby. And so he's coming to me for some comfort. Giving him some dopamine and some maybe some oxytocin, some serotonin maybe. And making him feel safe again. That's what it goes down to. Safe or unsafe. Alright, I can't remember anymore. My email is drchevy, D-R-S-H-E-W-V-Y at gmail.com. My name is Chevy or Brian R. Barter. You're listening to Where's My Mind? My podcast for my amateur insight, intellect or lack thereof, uh, psychology, uh, mental health, um, random crap. 
thoughts, patterns, emotions, waves, feelings. This is my podcast into Where's My Mind? Thank you for listening. Send me an email if you'd like. Um, and you are the only reason to keep this going. If I have to get two or three listens per episode, yeah, I'm a bit disappointed, but I'm fucking content, man. Like, I'm, 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 I'll, I'll roll with it, man. Because if this, if this helps even one person, if this makes somebody smile, or gives them entertainment on a shitty work day or a walk, if this serves any purpose at all that's positive, you made my day. Let me know. Thanks. Shabby Coon, over now. How do I stop this thing?